Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. It's Monday and I've got some good news today. No more international breaks hey. until March. Yes, that's four months away. But we're still here with your daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the show and never miss another episode. I'm Niall. With me in the studio today, we have Jim Salverson. Good weekend, Jim. Very good. I cleared my loft out. Did you find oh. any old school football memorabilia that you forgot about? Any scarves, any programs? No, it was mostly baby stuff, to be honest with you. No. So they don't want cots. I've got a cot. I need to get rid of it. <laughs> no West Ham baby gross? No, sadly not. The, d- the DMs are going to come flying in for this uh, cot. <laughs> yeah. Sports social notifications yeah. are going to go off the chain. Uh, that's Marley Anderson. You can hear over there. Hello, Marley. Did Hello. you clean out your attic this weekend? No, I watched uh, 14 episodes of a series on uh, Netflix and Which, just binge watched it. What on. series was it? Uh, it was called um, 60 Days In. And <laughs> it's, it's basically about uh, seven people who went undercover in a prison. Um, from like normal people that went into a prison and acted as well they were prisoners for 60 days well, recommended yeah it's good Deep, very good you can tell it's international break can't you and there's not much <laughs> and this is the on. podcast goodbye <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right on the show we're going to take a look at Gareth Southgate's comments that England are in a better place going into Euro 2020 than they were going into the 2018 World Cup England of course are now qualified for the tournament they beat Montenegro seven goals to nil on Thursday they beat Kosovo on Sunday by four goals to nil, a combined aggregate of 11 goals. So who could they face in the tournament next summer after a record-breaking qualification campaign? We'll also look at Spurs out-of-contract players and exactly why they might fancy running the clock down on their current deals rather than signing for a new club straight away. And with a January transfer window just five weeks away, we'll have our two pence worth on some of the gossip doing the rounds in the red tops today. But first, let's start with England. We spoke on the podcast last week about England, not maybe us being disillusioned with them, but again, when you're doing so well in qualifying and you're playing against some of these, not mediocre nations because that's disrespectful, but certainly in football in quality, they're not the most exciting games to watch, are they? But England got the job done. They can only play who's in front of them. They did what they had to do. 
Is this a good sign that England have gone through qualification in record-breaking fashion? Because the last time that England did something similar, I think they went the whole campaign without losing or even drawing, was under Roy Hodgson. We got to the World Cup and we were beaten by Italy and Costa Rica and Uruguay and we finished bottom of the group and it was all a disaster. It has been an impressive qualifying campaign. And we know, and we've talked a lot about how England do tend to qualify in some style. It's mm. been 10 years, we've lost one qualifying game in 10 years that happens to be in this last campaign but at the same time we've had big victories against teams that maybe previously we wouldn't have beaten so well like the 7-0 against Montenegro like the 4-0 against Kosovo mm. at the weekend I think it's really difficult to judge where England are at at the moment because of the opposition they're facing mm. and that's the challenge so we have gone through in style I kind of agree with Southgate that he says England are in a better place now than they were ahead of the World Cup last year but at the same time, I don't think England were in a great place ahead of the World Cup next year. But last is, year, is this a negative though, rather than a positive? Because I think the expectations going into the World Cup were quite tempered. I don't think anyone thought England would do too well because it was just like, here we go, another World Cup. After the last one, we're going to get dumped out early doors. And England surprised everyone. They didn't play great, but they got the job done and got through to the semi-finals, which they were ultimately beaten by Croatia. Whereas this time, because of the qualification campaign and because of the World Cup before, is there a higher expectation again? Is that bar been raised again, do you think? Possibly, yeah, because, you know, the the better you do, the higher your expectations the next time because we got to the World Cup World Cup semi-finals and played played well and everything. No, we did not play well. Yeah, we did. When? And what when game we got to did the England semis? play well in the World Cup? Sweden. Beat Sweden fairly comfortably. Uh, Sweden? Beat, beat everyone. Beat Sweden. Ah, so what? You can only beat what's in front of you. Yeah, I know, which is can't beat Germany very true Sweden, is the case you? in the qualifying. It's what I mean by we have no kind of benchmark as to how well we're doing because we play, every nation has the same thing. This isn't unique to England. The big nations play poor teams in qualifying and that will follow through to the World Cup. The more they expand the World Cup, the more poor teams you'll meet in the World Cup. Yeah. And then you'll suddenly play a big nation and that's the test. And I think England have fallen down at those tests previously. I think... Sweden are not a good... Who did they lose to? Who did Sweden lose to at the weekend? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't qualify, did they? But no, they it's lost... Probably, it's probably not the best example, but... But exactly, exactly. With the big teams we played, yeah. the Croatias and Belgium, we did badly against. In the Nations League, when we played Holland, we got roundly beaten by Holland. And they're the big tests. And I think to... We won't know exactly where England are until we start to face those teams. And that won't be until probably the last 16 of the World Cup because mm. the group stages should be a relative formality. Yeah. Yeah, I can't 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 disagree with it, but but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um I just think right, so for me like when when I was sort of growing up, England would it's this qualification process has been the same for 20 years. Like mm. you get mm. one average team. Well, they're slowly expanding, aren't they? So there's yeah. more and more teams in that mix. Yeah. But you always get like one average team and then three whipping boys and you get a San Marino or a Kazakhstan or someone like that and you, you hammer them and then you get sort of one sort of test like Czech Republic or or like, uh, you know, a, t- a similar team to that, maybe a, a Bulgaria or something if they're doing well or a Romania or a Turkey or something like that. And growing up, like, it was always, with England, it was always like you'd see Germany put in like seven or eight goals past everyone who mm. they were meant to beat and England would never have that England mm. would put like three or four past San Marino and it's yeah. like we're not even at the level of these guys but now we you know we put seven past Montenegro at the weekend and then put four past Kosovo despite not playing that well like so for me it's it's a much more 
like gelled team now. Whereas back in that golden generation, we should have won everything with that team, really. Yeah. And looking back on it with mm-hmm. Ferdinand and Terry at centre back, you know, Rooney, Lampard, Gerard, all in all in the team, Beckham, Cole, all these amazing players. We couldn't do anything with them because they just didn't gel. Mm. But now, and you can tell that by the fact that they were struggling along and beating teams. No one blames Sven for that. No one ever blames Sven Juran Eriksson for the fact that he couldn't get those players to play together. Absolutely, should do. I agree. Terrible manager. What did he ever do in his career? Really, like you've had some success in Italy. Speaking of Sweden, very, very good. Um, and also, it kind of winds me up when people like it doesn't wind me up, but you know, people say, "Oh, Harry Kane shouldn't have won the Golden Boot at the World Cup." Why not? Yeah, okay. So what? He scored eleven thousand goals past Panama or whoever it was. Mm, mm. He scored. That's what you can. Do. That's all you can do as a striker is score goals. I saw someone on Twitter saying, "Oh, just because Harry Kane scored a shed load of goals this qualification campaign doesn't make him world class." It's like, oh, well, why not? It's the fundamental thing he needs to yeah. do as a striker is to score goals. Undoubtedly, Harry Kane is a world class oh, striker. He, he seems to score goals in any team he's in. But I kind of yeah. go back to your original point. I think what you were getting at is. England seem to be impressive at the moment. And I think they do. I think going forward, yeah. they look absolutely The front frightening. three, frightening. Agreed. There's a little bit of a question about centre mid and the centre backs as well that England have at their disposal. Whether they've got this kind of soft centre that means they will be susceptible. I mean, we saw against the Kosovo, uh, the Kosovo game again, just like in the other fixture, Kosovo had chances to score and they mm. could have had a couple of goals. And that's slightly worrying for England's progression. But they will look like they will score goals as well. I do think yeah. maybe, I mean, Gareth Southgate might have to look and see what central midfield options he can pick up in the next six months, really, to, between now and the end of the season. Because Rice, Winks, Henderson, I mean, Henderson's the best of all three of those, mm. quite easily, I'd say. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, what are the options there? That's the only thing I'm thinking. You know, people are complaining about Declan Rice playing, but he's the best we've got there at the moment. And he's that's a, an area we really need to improve. He's that a that bit holding midfield at the dice. Yeah. Rice. I'd, I'm just not sure about him, to be honest. He's 20. That's uh, the thing, like, it's been put on him. Like, yeah. you know, he's the solution. He's, like, he's, he's still a kid. Do you, think really? it's, do you think it's to do with position, though? Because you look at someone like Mason Mount, and if he makes a couple of mistakes, he scored his first England goal against Kosovo on Sunday. Everyone goes, oh, he's 20, he's young, but he's a forward player, so you can kind of afford him making mistakes. When you sat deeper up the pitch or back the pitch, you mm. know, like Declan Rice or even a defender, if you make a mistake, the, the axe comes down on you a lot more swiftly because you've got a lot more responsibility back there. And I think mm. it's more of a confidence game as well. When you're responsible for your team conceding a goal, for example, or conceding a chance, I think it can really knock your confidence. And when you are 20, I mean, I remember what it was like just being 20 it's like you're not massively sure of yourself as an individual and Declan Rice is struggling for club and country at the moment in a very poor performing West Ham team and that's Mm. going to affect his form internationally Mm. he started like he made his England debut and was absolutely superb and he was kind of rushed through as as well wasn't it because of the Irish thing and it was like well we'll get him in the England squad and we'll lock him down forever yeah and then he's almost a victim of starting too well yeah, and and uh, yeah. I, I think he will come good, but I think he just needs that little bit more experience and potentially needs that assured head next to him. So maybe mm. when yeah. he is playing against Henderson, or playing with Henderson, it's a very different scenario to when he's playing next to Harry yeah. Winks. I think with that that position as well, like there's no substitute for experience in a in a holding midfield role. 
Look at Fernandinho, he's 34, he's yeah. still arguably the best in the league. Him, well, and, him and Fabinho internationally, are the two best ones. The example I'd use internationally was just Pirlo. Like yeah. with, with red wine, just got better with age and yeah. Yeah. everyone was sort of scared of him. I well, remember we it. faced them in the Euro in Euro 2012 and the 2014 World Cup and he was good, into, well into his mid-30s at this point, just sitting and being a sort of a pivot player for Juventus. And it was, it was a bit like, well, oh, oh no, how are we going to deal with Pirlo? And he almost had this sort of enigma about him, this aura. And everyone was a bit like, oh, Pirlo. But uh, as you say, you know, that, that character, that metronome, so to speak, is a really important component to the team, which I think Southgate does need to try mm-hmm. and uncover. Uncover, But as you say, the players we've got there are quite young. And a lot of the problems of the weekend against Kosovo, I think, came from like Winks and Rice positionally weren't particularly smart. And often they'd find themselves in the same spaces and weren't providing that kind of broad yeah. cover for the defence. Mm. And yeah. so that's a relationship thing. That's about playing with yeah. the same players week in, week out, or mm. at least at international level on a regular well, base. But it is a weak point for England, like centre-backs are a weak point. You've got Harry Maguire, and then you've got one other. And that one other, there's a few questions about who that one other will be right now. Probably like, John Stones, yeah. but then... Stones, Mings, Keane, could yeah, be any exactly. of them. Could be yeah. Tamari. Could I was be thinking t- about yeah. this last night. If if like Tamari had his, his England debut last night, and if, if things... I think if everyone's fit and playing well, I think Joe Gomez and Maguire are the best two. However, if Gomez carries on being fourth choice at Liverpool for the rest of the season and Tomori stays in the Chelsea team until the end of the season, Stones, if everyone stays in the current form and the current standing, Stones wouldn't start really if Laporte was fit. Mm. So if you're looking at Tomori or, or Mings, they're the guys that are playing every week. I don't think Mings is good enough for a, for a proper like you know, quarter-final, semi-final kind of things. I think he's a bit hot-headed and and loose, uh, a bit loose. But yeah. you know, Tamori, what is yeah. he? Twenty, twenty-two, twenty-one, twenty-two. So you yeah. know, full season in in Chelsea, playing the Champions League. That's better quality. That's better. It's as good a standing than anything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, well, we have to wait until the end of May to find out who Gareth Southgate names in his England squad for Euro 2020. But we do know definitely that England will be in Group D. And we know for sure that because of the way the Euro 2020 tournament has been set up, they won't be in a group with Italy, Spain, Germany, Holland or any of the other host nations uh, because, of course, this tournament is not being played in one country. It's being played all over Europe in different stadiums. And the benefit of that for England is that three group games in Group D, which is England's group, will be played at Wembley. The round of 16, presuming, or if England get through that group, will be played in either Dublin or Copenhagen. A quarter final will be in Rome or St. Petersburg, and both the semis and the final will be played at Wembley as well. So that is definitely a big boost for England, isn't it, Jim? I think that's the pressure you're talking about. It's not going to be the performances in the group stages that add the pressure. It's going to be the fact that England are pretty much going to be playing in a home tournament. So five of their potential seven games en route to the final, which of course England will get to the final, uh, <laughs> uh, going to be at Wembley. It could work in their advantage as well because England have performed very well at Wembley during the group stages. Yes. And we've seen the kind of effect that a home crowd can have on England. And I know it was Euro 96 and it was a long time ago now, but the kind of energy of the country did lift performances on in that tournament and it could happen again I think it's quite exciting and really promising for England that they will be playing so many games at home I think it's unlikely but England can still qualify for the knockout stages if they finish finish third in this group if that happens they finish third and still go through the last 16 games could be in Glasgow Bilbao or Budapest Munich Baku and Rome could also be the quarterfinal venue. So we talk about it being England around Europe, team but though, the, they, they are the seeded well. team. They'll be, I think, they'll be absolutely fine. But just in terms of travelling around, this would be a, a new phenomenon for a 
for a Euro tournament, wouldn't it? It would be totally different to what we're used to. Yeah, and the last thing you want to do is is get yourself in a position where you've got to travel all the way to Baku. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've seen the it's in that absolute farce of the uh, Europa League final when mm. Chelsea played Arsenal and they were having to be dragged along however many thousand miles to the arse end of nowhere mm. and then come all the way back on a, a Wednesday night and oh, it was ridiculous. Um, it's not that so much. So you don't really the, want that again. It's not that much different to the World Cup though. Because Russia was such a massive country, yes. That some of the mm. distances involved there were extreme, and footballers are slightly more used to travelling, yeah. now than maybe they once were. But the the issue was was the fans, wasn't it? The uh, the yeah. intra system of Baku couldn't cope with any more than thirty thousand fans, and it was a seventy thousand seat <laughs> stadium. Yeah. So it was like that's why Arsenal and Chelsea fans got I think six thousand tickets each, so twelve k in. In a 60,000, 70,000-seater stadium was ridiculous. Um, and obviously they haven't learned from that because they'd already give them the, the Euro 2022 games as well. So in terms of fans, you do not want to be going there, but you've got to do it, haven't you, I suppose. And it doesn't look like it will affect England. Yeah, as you it, say, should, it shouldn't do, yeah. When we do, like I said, we don't know who's going to be in that group yet, but the names that are being touted, I think Scotland potentially one of the teams we could have in that group. Well, you, Scotland, you, Wales Scot- and Northern Ireland can all still qualify for Euro 2020. Let's be honest, Scotland aren't going to qualify, are they? Uh, since Steve Clark's come in, they've done very, very well. I think Wales will. Haven't Wales play tomorrow? And if they win, they're through. I was looking at it last night. I think they've got uh, Hungary. They need to beat Hungary to pip Hungary to the post. Yeah, yeah but if so, it's, it's, it's going to be actually a really good game, that, because it'll be... If Scotland win, they'll go through. If Hungary win, they'll go through. And if they draw, Slovakia will overtake the pair of them. So it's genuinely going to be everything on that on that game. So any any one of three teams could go through from that thing. But knowing, I think Wales, you can't ask for anything more, can you? One one game, if you win it, you're through. This, this is what go I said about Scotland. Since Steve Clark took over, I think they've lost to the Belgians... And Russia, and I don't think anyone would have expected them to beat those two teams anyway, Scotland. So. Yeah, the damage was done earlier on when yeah, they got the, beat by Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah. The, laughing, the laughing was done early on, I think you could say. Borat scored a hat-trick. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've had a look there at Euro 2020. We're going to take a quick break now because afterwards we're going to be talking about Christian Eriksen and Spurs' other out-of-contract stars. Will they be going anywhere in January or will they be staying put? There's an interesting reason as to why they might stay exactly where they are. Don't go anywhere. This is Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. No one else does this, a daily Premier League podcast. So go and subscribe and you'll never miss another episode here from the Sports Social, however you listen to your podcasts. I'm Niall, Jim and Marley joining me in the studio today. We've been talking about England's potential chances at Euro 2020 but what about the potential chances of Christian Eriksen staying exactly where he is in January the Spurs man has been want away for a while now we knew that back in the summer he was looking for a way out of Tottenham Hotspur he's stayed put and could he stay put for this coming transfer window as well and the reason behind it is that perhaps if he leaves on a free transfer Jim his wages might be more favorable to him in the summer if he leaves on a free transfer in the summer the ball's in his court. He mm. holds the cards, so to speak. It's no secret that that's a tactic that players use on a regular basis. I think Alexis Sanchez did it when he moved to United, didn't he? In terms of if you let your contract run down, you can command a slightly higher wage. And not only that, you can command a decent signing on fee. 
as well, which could be in the region of 20, 25, 30 million quid. If I was Ericsson, I don't think he's been particularly well looked after by Tottenham. He wanted to leave. Tottenham wanted to hang on to him. I don't see why he would move in January. I think I'd hang on for that extra four months well, and Danny, take the big payday. Danny Rose has come out and said that he's definitely going to run yeah. down the last 18, 18 months, months of his yeah. contract. Wow. So, I mean, what does that tell you about the sort of mentality amongst those Spurs players right now? It tells me that Danny Rose isn't the, isn't the type of guy you want at your club. If he's doing that now, is that making him less attractive to prospective employers? Yeah, because he's 28, 29. If you give him a three-year deal, you know you're going to get him for that three years. Mm. If you put him on 50 grand a week, he's going to take 50 grand a week until he's 32, 33, and not as good as what he is now. And I've said this on the podcast before, I don't think Danny Rose is the best left-back you could you could ask for, I don't think he's in the top two or three English left-backs. So it's a similar situation with Ericsson. I agree with you, Jim. Like You're doing your club a favour if you leave in January because you, you're making them make money in transfer. Mm. In a transfer fee, obviously it wouldn't be as much as if you had three years on your contract, but they might still make 20 million off him. But he gets a half a million maybe, maybe a million um, in signing on fee. Whereas if he waits for six months, he can he can command 10, 12, 15 million, whatever, he, whatever his agent fancies. So as well, in the summer, he's got the uh, the Euros, as we've just been talking about. Denmark, top of the group. Uh, they play Ireland tonight if they, well, they're pretty much through uh, a draw. Well, to be fair, there's, there's got to be a 15-goal swing if Ireland win. Um, <laughs> not to, to overcome Denmark at the top. But if he has a good showing in the Euros, which I'm, I'm, I think he's put his mind's already there, to be honest. If you're thinking, I want a new club in the summer, why would you sign for someone just before the Euros? Just just have the Euros, prove how good you are, and you're on free transfer, so and everyone will come It's very unlikely that Spurs have taken the action like dropping to the reserves. Well, that, that's what they've been talking about. And if you're a Tottenham fan, Jim, what would be your viewpoint on this? Try and put yourself in, in the Spurs fans' shoes, which might be hard as a West Ham supporter, I know. But... I hate myself. I hate yeah. He hates himself. Um, but do you, at the detriment of your team, currently sitting in 14th place in the Premier League, drop Eriks into the reserves, you know, to kind of avoid any sort of disharmony or any tension? Because you've got players like Danny Rose saying, I'm probably going to see it. Well, I am going to see out my contract for 18 months. You know, Eriksson wants to leave. I mean, what's the, I mean, do you not want to play someone from the academy or someone younger who's got more of the interest of the club at heart rather than these players who clearly are disregarding their future at Tottenham Hotspur? I think it and although they're the better players... It depends on the attitude of the individual player and whether they continue to apply themselves on the pitch. But if Ericsson knows he's going to leave, why, why should he be bothered if Tottenham finish 15th Because he wants to command that big signing he's, on fee. He's and still that a good player. Wage. I don't think that's going to change the fact he's a quality player. But an absolutely sterling four months is only going to give him more money and financial reward in a bigger club in the long run. Yeah. And I think he feels like the kind of player who would apply himself. And we had this mm. conversation he's about not, He's not a prima donna, is no, he? No, and yeah. like when Marco Arnautovic left West oh, Ham, God, yeah. we had the similar conversation and we said, what do you do from him here? He's demanding to leave. He's essentially going to down tools and not play. Do you stick him in the reserves and go, right, you can rot there and then you can leave at the end of your contract? Yeah. Or do you get whatever money you can for him now? And it was kind of... The, the answer was, well, he's not going to put in a shift for the club anymore, so you have to take one of those two options. Whereas... 
Ericsson feels like he will continue to imply himself. From what you were saying about Daniel Rose, mm. who knows what that kind of situation will be because mm. he doesn't. That that's kind of statement where you're going in 18 months I'm going to wind down my contract that doesn't feel like a player who's committed to playing saying that at that stage but it's just another bizarre thing that with Danny Rose because he's the first choice left back at the minute he's, he's he's getting more games than Ben Davis who's seems to be a more solid player and mm. more of a character like a you know character you want around your squad so just I don't know it's, to say I'm going to be here for another 18 months it's like well yeah why wouldn't you be you're in the team why are you saying this? And you're, like, and you're just saying and, this because you're bored. Like, and you're under contract and no one signed you. So Exactly. And for the, the... for the last two or three transfer windows, he's, he's openly said, Danny Rose, that I want to move, uh, I want to go back up north because he's a northern lad. He's from Leeds. Mm. So ideally, he's signed Man City. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come to Man City. I think ideally it would have been, well, City's a pipe dream, but maybe United if they, you know, they've only got one left back in Luke Shaw. So I mean, I wonder if Spurs are going to have to look at the way they structure their wages. Because the root of it is probably the it likes is. of Danny Rose thinking they can get a little bit extra money elsewhere because wages are going up exponentially, yeah. whereas Spurs seem to have this very rigid wage structure. structure. Yeah. Well, in you place. can you can bring it back to to the press and even going on in England duty, international duty. You can bring it back to that because players will be going and meeting up with teammates or whatever, or they'll be scrolling through Twitter on their phone and they'll see. England teammate signs new contract worth 300 yeah. grand a week and Danny Rose is sat there thinking I want to say I'm on 60 grand a week here mm. to be fair and I'm playing in the top four in the Champions League I've reached a Champions League final we're playing good football and I'm on this money when someone who's playing for I don't know whatever club club X club Y has been offered triple what I'm on and add yeah. to that the fact he'll have an agent in his ear who gets a cut of any wages and then he's signing on fee going yeah. you can get more money elsewhere we can get you a transfer you can get a bit of extra cash if you move here <laughs> Why do agents sound like a creepy child snatcher? <laughs> <laughs> the monster. <laughs> the agent monster. Um, that's uh, obviously going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. The development of those Spurs players. There's not just one of them out of contract in the summer. There are a few. Uh, the two centre-backs as well could be on their way, Marley. Mm. I mean, uh, when do they need to start thinking about replacing Alderweireld and Vertonghen? Because although they've been a solid partnership over Six the last... months ago. Four, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Over the last four seasons-ish, they've been a really sort of decent partnership for Spurs. Yeah. I mean, but we've not really seen anyone come up to try and displace them. I mean, they've got Foyth and I can't even think Sanchez they've got as well, Davinson yeah. Sanchez, but they're going to need to start looking in the market, surely. But centre-backs right now are the flavour of the month. They're expensive. Yeah, that's only going to be like made worse by the, the fee Harry Maguire hmm. um, commanded and Van Dijk in the, last, in the last couple of transfer windows, 75 and 80 million, so... Uh, Spurs, to be fair to them, have tried. I think this this season it's tended to be De Vincent Sanchez plus one, mm. which is good management from Pochettino because he knows that there's no point playing two guys that are going to leave and then having to rely on Sanchez, who's came in from the bench, like into the team in the, in the summer, for example. So he has tried to blood one of them, but with a young centre back like De Vincent Sanchez, he's only in his early twenties, so it, he would benefit more from having a genuine. A solid partner alongside him because then you're setting yourself up to go into the next season but he hasn't got that luxury because they both look like they're going to leave I think Vertonghen's got six months mm. I think Alderweireld I think might have another year but he's got that clause or something no. yeah. it's a funny contract that one but he might leave as well so Daniel Levy's going to be forced to do something which he hates doing which is spend money so yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to, you've got to do it maybe even in January have a look have a look at the market, see who's out there because there is value in it. Like Kagalasa Unchu, he's twenty three. 
at uh, Leicester, and they signed him for ten million like last summer. He and does look forty three though. Oh, he does, yeah. He does look forty three. Um, but it took him however however long to get into the team once Maguire left. But he was a ready made replacement, so it was mm. good management and good scouting from Leicester to say, look, all right, Maguire might leave. He's doing really well. Let's buy another top quality centre back. Yeah, sit on him for six months, and then put him in the team. If Sonchu mm. moved this summer. Be fifty million easy. Oh, comfortably, it, comfortably. Yeah, you With think we're going to see more of that as well. That scouting networks coming into their own and looking at the Portuguese third division and the yeah. I mean, the amount of players we've seen coming from the Dutch divisions mm. over the last twelve months. It's those scouting networks that are looking for value. But that's the yeah. difficulty, isn't it? Because you know, whilst you're keeping an eye on the best attacking talent, you might keep take your eye off the ball in terms of your centre backs, and and then that's the, that's where the difficulty lies. Trying to keep a an eye across all positions and having quality across all positions, which is why it's such a, a difficult job. Undoubtedly, there is a big rebuilding job to do at Spurs, though, both in terms of personnel and in terms of how the clubs run. Just a quick one, then. Will Potch be the man to oversee that oh, rebuilding a job? dollar question, and it? it doesn't feel that way at the moment. No, I don't think he will be either. I think it will be a complete sea change at Spurs, and I think it might be a turbulent couple of seasons once he leaves and all the players go as well. So if you're a Spurs fan and you disagree with me, you disagree with Jim, you disagree with Marley, or you agree with us, let us know on Twitter, at the Sports Social. If there are any centre-backs that are catching your eye, that you no one might on Twitter fit. lets you know that they agree with you. If there are any centre-backs that you think might fit into Spurs' team, let us know, at the Sports Social on Twitter. Uh, but just before we wrap the podcast up, let's have a look at what some of the tabloids are reporting, which means it must be true, of course, with the January transfer window just five weeks away. Uh, Manchester City considering a January bid for Leipzig's defender Diet Upamecano. That's an exclusive in 90 min. Might be an interesting conversation to be had considering Otamendi doesn't exactly look like Pep's most favourite centre-back. John Stones is consistently injured. Laporte's been out for a long-term injury. Fernandinho's getting a bit older and he's been playing deputising in there. Company's gone. They've got Felipe Sandler on loan. I mean, there is a bit of a problem to be had at centre-back for City. Yeah, there is. Um... That's an area where, again, they need to be in that market. They were linked with Maguire at the, at, uh, in the summer and he ended up going to Man United um, through no fault of their own, really. I think that was Maguire's sort of choice. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they need to be scouting. And Upa Meccano was linked with Arsenal, I think, because Arsenal took William Saliba from San Etienne and he was linked with them as well. But yeah. with Arsenal, they did that funny thing at the, at the in the summer when it was... Uh, they only had sixty million to spend, and then they just went and splooged seventy odd on Pepe. So they clearly have more money than they think, but uh, mm. than than we think. But Upa Meccano has been linked with like like high yeah. high fee, like Do you think close to hundred million. Though? Because it won't be in January. I think they'll they, wait to the end of the season yeah. now because they have got Laporte will come back, Stones will come back, and that will alleviate the defensive crisis. They like they made a mistake. Champions League as well. Yeah, they made a mistake going into the season without centre back cover. Yeah. And it's bitten him on the arse. But I think Pep Guardiola is a stubborn enough man to <laughs> see it through to the end of the season. And in the summer, they'll address that. Well, it's funny you said about Nicola Pepe at Arsenal. That's 72000000 million. I've seen a lot of people say that that's a lot of money for him and he hasn't come good yet. But actually, that transfer is over quite a long period of time. I think it's like four or five instalments yeah. there. Um, so actually, Arsenal haven't paid $72 million for him yet. Mm. They might still sell him in, what, two years' time if he really is a flop and get a bit of the money back. So, actually, we don't really know how much Arsenal have spent yeah, so the th- far. The thing is with that, Upamecano as well, for example, if you're linking him to Man City, 
you Man City could easily include Otamendi in that deal. Yeah, I think oh, that's a good sure. move for everyone. Like Otamendi is, is, you know, he's not really wanted mm. or trusted at, at City really. Um, I think so, he. Want, so I think Otamendi, by all accounts, wanted to move on in the summer anyway. Yeah, I think he by did. By the sounds of things, but because they lost um, company as well, they lost yeah. company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and they didn't want to sign a new one because they didn't find anyone uh, who's, who 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 they fancied. It was like, well, we can't let you go. I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to stay because you'll play. And then he keeps diving into challenges and getting skinned and conceding penalties and all sorts. But I mean, why not swap deal? You, I think. City would still want 20, 20, 25 million for Ostermendi, so okay. chuck him in that deal. Okay, cool. Ne- well, next one we're going to go on to uh, from Spanish Press. This comes from Sport, and I want you to play a game of Guess the Club. So are you ready for this? Manchester United. Okay. <laughs> Barcelona have rejected an offer from a Premier League club for Croatian midfielder Ivan Rakitic of around £13 million, which is £17 million short of their valuation of the midfield player. Who do you reckon the Premier League club is? We don't know, by the way. It's just a speculation. But I think I probably nailed it with Manchester you reckon, United. You reckon United offered £13 million for Rakitic? Mind you, it's a offer way under the value of a player, so chances are it's Newcastle. <laughs> because that <laughs> no seems chance. Like that's a Mike Ashley kind of way of doing business. And obviously with the getting towards January as well, there'll be some kind of... Have the have the takeover rumours started yet? Uh, not yet. They're due to start this week, uh, this year on December the 5th. <laughs> okay, so so <laughs> yeah. pretty soon we'll get the Newcastle takeover rumours and they'll be linked with some players. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I'm going Newcastle. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm also I, going rubbish. I think, <laughs> I think again, Arsenal. I really uh, do. What's what's the what's the fee? Thirteen million was offered. Thirteen, which is seventeen million short of what they expected. Oh, so basically they had a phone conversation. You went thirty million, they, and then they've went thirteen million. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, and then the emails come back saying, nah, "Piss off, lads." Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd probably go with Man United to be honest, because they they need a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Sure. They've got money. Um, I can be hundred percent sure it won't be Newcastle because. He's too old. He's he's <laughs> over. He's, fit the policy. He's over twenty six, so he doesn't fall into our filter system. Even though he's world class, but it fin- doesn't really matter with uh, Mike Ashley. Final one. Uh, Eden Hazard has been speaking about Chelsea. Obviously, he plays for Real Madrid now, uh, saying that he never doubted that Frank Lampard would do a brilliant job, and he th- thinks that Frank Lampard can become a world class manager, one of the best in the world. And he reckons if Chelsea carry on the way they are, they're just two or three players away from being Premier League champions again beating Liverpool and Manchester City to the post. Interesting comments from uh, the Belgian. What do you make of that, Jim? Interesting, I thought. I think it's really early in Lampard's career to make calls like that. But that said, I think he's been impressive. I don't think anyone could doubt that he's done a good job at Chelsea as much with team morale as anything else. Mm -hmm. And maybe that kind of whole idea that, oh, it's a team, they're playing together, they're a group of young lads, overshadows what he does as a tactician on the field people don't really give him enough credit for that but it's very early days but I mean we're not even talking about Chelsea being in the mix for the Premier League this season which we should be because they're level on points with Manchester City and we haven't ruled Manchester City out they're above yet. Manchester City on mm-hmm. points by a point by so, point, yeah. so yep. what, they should be in that conversation as well so yeah absolutely no reason why Chelsea good young English core I felt sound like a tabloid journalist <laughs> <laughs> through that team add a bit of experience and spend a bit of money on some real talent, they could compete easily. Yeah, I think um, I'd agree with that because if you look at, if you compare Chelsea to, let's say, Man City, Mm. if you keep this Chelsea team together for the next three years exactly the same, they're all just going to get better and better and better because they're all very young. Mm. Abraham, Mount, Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi, James, uh, the goalkeeper, 
Kepa. Shouldn't have forgot his name because he's Kepa the keeper. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you compare that to Man City, in the next two or three years, David Silva's going to leave. Uh, Aguero's going to leave. Pep Guardiola's going to leave. Guardiola might leave. Fernandinho exactly. Will go, uh, yeah. Fernandinho will be 37 in three years, or I think he's 34 now, so he'll, he'll probably be retired in three years. You'll he'll still be Kyle Walker. <laughs> Kyle Walker, yeah. <laughs> Kyle Walker will be 32. So basically, they've got to re- reform themselves in mm. the next two or three years, which is going to be where the test comes from because. They need everyone to come in and gel. They need another yeah. golden generation like Silva, De Bruyne, and and what have you. All these, all these players. Reminds so me, they need to go again, and, and Chelsea don't need to go again for five years unless they lose people. Reminds me a bit of Spurs, like what you're saying about these young Chelsea players growing and getting better and better. Mm-hmm. That kind of happened under Poch, yeah. To start with, mm-hmm. they found a formula, found a settled team, and they never quite reached where they needed to. In terms of like the players, like I, mean, I know Deli Ali is still very young, but didn't quite get to where people expected him to. Maybe, whereas I think yeah, it, it's still very, got to a European final. Though. It's, yeah, yeah, very true. It's it's, it's it's early days for Chelsea, yeah. but they do seem to have talent in spades in that team. And yeah. you can imagine that if Roman Abramovich's interest is peaked again in Chelsea, if they start to look like they can do something, he'll yeah. put his hand in his pocket. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Thank you very much, lads. That was Football Social Daily for Monday. We'll be back again tomorrow. So make sure you hit subscribe and you won't miss that episode. We'll be back every single day of the week. And before you know it, Premier League football will be back on the radar again. We can see it in the horizon. It's it's creeping ever closer, but we'll be with you throughout the week, of course, building up to all those games at the weekend. But that's it for now, and we'll chat to you tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.